We're thinking about outside the box to do something really special and fun. We want to celebrate our fans that have helped us make 16 a bucket list and so many people in our signature hall when it is today. Just want to celebrate a fan. We believe that we have the greatest fans in golf. We actually really do because I've been to pretty much every other tournament and it's really no point of comparison when it comes to the fans and the atmosphere that we have at the Phoenix Open. I think we can keep growing our tournament, keep helping growing the game of golf. We want to make it fun. We want to make it accessible to everybody. I mean, we want to tap on demographics that we haven't before. Different demographics that perhaps the game of golf hasn't really been that popular before. So we just want to keep doing our tournament and at the same time helping the game of golf. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Carlos Sugic, who is the tournament chairman for the 2018 Waste Management Phoenix Open. Carlos, thanks for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you for having me, Colin. Oh, it's my pleasure. So to get us started here, Carlos, could you give us an overview and describe for our listeners here that aren't aware of it yet, even though I think most of them should because it's so awesome, but give us an overview of the Waste Management Phoenix Open and what differentiates it from all the other PGA events out there. Absolutely. First of all, I think it's important to say that our tournament has been around for about 83 years. Actually, not a lot of people realize that uh-huh. the Waste Management Phoenix Open is the fifth oldest golf tournament in the PGA Tour. Wow. And obviously we've been at the TPC at Scottsdale. That's where our tournament takes place every year. And we like to believe we are a pretty unique stop on the uh, tour. First of all, we are the most attended, largest golf tournament in the world. We have a very unique setup when it comes to hospitality. We have close to 400 and plus corporate boxes or suites. And most importantly, we host the famous 16 hole. And you've probably heard about the 16 hole. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, it's, it's great. Bucket, you know, it's, it's our signature hall. It's, our, it's become a bucket list for lots of people. And it's a fun stadium. It's a place where players get to experience what it is like to play at a stadium. Like a football player, like a baseball player, we have 16,000 people every day on 16 cheering for the favorite player. So it's something that is unique across the tour. At the same time, what makes us unique is our deep involvement in the community. And obviously our community being so engaged and young. We have a very young and fun demographics at our tournament. Last year, we broke a record. We had 655,000 people for the whole week, which is a pretty significant number. Saturday alone, we have 205,000 people. We broke that record as well. And we like to believe we have a really great field every year and uh, lots of the sponsors and our fans. We have the greatest fans in golf. We truly believe that. We have great people, especially all around, but on 16, we have this tradition that we have folks arriving at the gates of the TPC before the gates open. They usually showed up around 5 a.m. in the morning. We don't open the gates until 7 a.m. And so they just wait there in line. And as soon as the gate opens, 
they sprint from the gate to 16 just to get a spot at one of the bleachers. So that's really unique. It's not something that you see every day in a golf tournament. So obviously we take pride of what we've been able to create at the Phoenix Open in Phoenix, Arizona. And our tournament usually happens every year during Super Bowl weekend. Yes. And some people feel like, oh, are you guys competing with Super Bowl? And to be honest, we're not. I think it helps us. It's always usually on that same weekend. And what is it, four years ago, we had the Super Bowl in Phoenix that same year. We broke records that year as well. So it's very unique in that respect. We have lots of people that go to the tournament, younger demographic. The tournament was created by the group, which is known as the Thunderbirds, 83 years ago. It's a nonprofit group. My fellow Thunderbirds and myself are all volunteers. So all of the money that we generate from the tournament, we give it back to the community. And I think that's why we've been so successful. Well, Carlos, that is a great overview to give people a snapshot of what you're creating and, and the history of the tournament. I do want to drill down into the charitable aspect of this with the Thunderbirds in a, in a moment here. But since you did touch on the 16th hole in 2014, I was one of those people, both on the Thursday and Friday, sprinting at 7 a.m. to get my spot. And I got it on both days with my friend, by the way. So uh, we spent the entire day there. And I do want to talk on that a bit because one of the things I love about your tournament is, well, first of all, it's always progressing and you're always evolving and I know you want to talk about that a little bit and how you're putting your personal touch on this for 2018 but I want you to step back in time here because with the what did you say 18,000 people now are in this in the actual stadium at the uh, the 16th hole is that correct 16 16,000 every day every day still it's a heck of a crowd there with the corporate boxes so can you give me a bit of a history for what you know because that didn't just happen overnight that from what I understand that grew organically really is one of those things that was created and it was so popular that the 16th hole kind of the legend of the 16th hole kind of grew almost like pardon the bad metaphor but almost like a phoenix rising slowly from the ashes there so can you tell us a bit of the history and the first time the 16th hole was more than just a typical par three yeah it's a good it's a good question because you're absolutely right the 16th hole really started when tiger woods made that hole in one but even before i believe it was 2005 and if you see and i'm sure you've seen the uh, video of that day the uh, galleries were big but not even close to where we are today Today, and it wasn't always what it is today. It wasn't always a stadium, and we keep building on it every year, and it became more and more popular every year. And we are at a point today that there isn't really any more room for us to build more boxes, otherwise we would keep building. But yeah, keep going up, I guess. But that could be a little, a uh, little crazy. But yeah, no, I mean, I think you know, lots of people remember back in the day when there wasn't a stadium at 16, and people were just sitting around the green and cheering for the favorite player and lots of the folks from ASU, from the university, uh, would gather at 16. And so it kind of became the spot, the hole to be at at 16 at the TPC. And obviously it's a part three, so it's the hole that is fun to watch because you can see in one shot the whole hole. So it's kind of nice and fun uh, for people just to chill out there and experience what it is to be at 16. But yes, 16 has grown organically over the years, and so is the tournament. Our tournament hasn't always been as big as it is today. If you ask people 30 years ago, 20 years ago, if they believe this tournament could become 
the largest tournament in the world, the most attended tournament in the world, they would probably think you were joking. And it just happened by building and creating momentum and creating a fun atmosphere, creating a great golf tournament, bringing in the strongest players out there that particular year. So it was built over time for sure. And we just kept growing on that momentum. And that growth, do you believe that is really initiative of the Thunderbirds? Maybe you can describe to us a a bit, because obviously there's someone that's taking a very entrepreneurial and innovative stance and saying, hey, let's keep growing this thing. The people are talking. The crowd is speaking with their feet in a way that they're showing up for it and more people want to show up. So you realize you're on a good thing. So can you kind of give us some insights there of who really took the lead there to really start getting it to the level that it is now with the corporate boxes and the seating to get it up to 16,000 people? Yeah. And by the way, the Tiger Woods only one was in 1997. So you may want to correct me. Right. So 20 years in the 20th anniversary, almost really that, that. Yeah. So it was 20 years this year. I Definitely. I think the success of this tournament, in my opinion, relies on three very important ingredients. Number one, obviously the Thunderbirds. This is the nonprofit group that created the Phoenix Open, or now the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And it's been responsible for organizing it and selling every piece of sponsorship since 1937. So definitely the Thunderbirds being a group of business leaders in the community have been able to build what it is the Phoenix Open today. So I am the tournament chairman for next year, but obviously it is not just me. I'm just building on what my predecessors did and I'm building on the entire group of Thunderbirds. We have what we call active Thunderbirds, 55 of them. Right. And then we have lifers or life Thunderbirds, which are close to 290. So thanks to all of them, we've been able to build a successful tournament. And I think what's key about this is that we all volunteer our time. We meet every month, every week sometimes, and we just try to make our tournament better every year. And because we come from very different backgrounds, we come from very different industries, and everyone is a business leader one way or the other, and is someone that is deeply involved in the community, we are able to collectively create something new, something special every year. So our goal this year is to just build on that success and just try to make it better than we did last year. As much as we we love each other, our group is very close. We're very good friends, all of us, but we're always, we're very competitive and we always want to do better than, <laughs> than the guy who came before us, just because that's the nature of our tournament. And I think that's the secret ingredient in our group and obviously the tournament. At the same time, we're lucky to have and to live in a community as Phoenix and Scottsdale and Glendale in the entire greater Phoenix area. We're lucky to have ASU, U of A, two major universities that are very involved in the game of golf and that participate every year. So we're lucky to have that community as well. So I think it's a combination of those ingredients that created something as unique and as fun as the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Now, with the Thunderbirds, from my understanding here, the way that you ensure that there's always progression and there is that legacy has continued, you're not just doing this for one year as tournament chairman, that there's a three-year commitment, that you were the assistant chairman last year, and I believe next year you will be, I guess you can tell me what the term is, but you'll actually be there to help mentor as you have a mentor from last year's tournament chairman. Is that correct? So there is that legacy and that continuation there of lessons learned and best practices and help you out as you go here. Is that correct? Absolutely. So what happened is the way that works 
also is that you get appointed the advisory board, which is made of the five past tournament chairmen. They vote on who the assistant tournament chairman is going to be. And you start off as a, an assistant and basically you follow the tournament chairman around and you try to learn the ropes about the tournament and prepare you for the job with the following year, which is when you become tournament chairman. After you become tournament chairman, after you ran the tournament for a year, if you do a good job, then the group, the Thunderbirds, elect you as, we call it, the big chief. The big chief is kind of like the president of the organization, kind of the spokesperson of the organization, no longer involved in the actual day-to-day of the tournament, but it is the president of the group, the person that has the representation out there with the community. So in a way, it's a three-year job, and we volunteer. So I'm volunteering this year, dedicating a lot of my personal time to run the tournament, to create new venues, to create new ideas, to manage our relationship with the people. PGA, manage our relationship with the players, our relationship with the fans, with our corporate and title sponsor waste management. So it's a almost a full-time job that you get to do once. And then as the big chief, you're no longer that involved in the day-to-day of the tournament. So, and we have that same structure across the board in all of our committees. So let me give you an example. I've been a member of the Thunderbirds for about five years. Okay. And I've been in different, we have different jobs or different committees. In every job and every committee, it's important for the organization of the tournament. We have a Thunderbird that is responsible for parking. We have a Thunderbird that is responsible for concessions, a Thunderbird that is responsible for 16 Hall, for Bay Club, for the Cove. I mean, we have a kind of like a corporate structure around the tournament and the tournament chairman designates who's going to run what venue or which job. And the way we work is the same way, meaning you start off as being the assistant. So one year you can be the assistant for parking and transportation. And then the next year, you know, you're going to become the chairman. And that way we get that specific person exposed to that specific job and that's kind of followed the same concept that I just described when it comes to the actual tournament chairman. You become the assistant tournament chairman because now you're going to be exposed to all kinds of facets around all kinds of things around the tournament not just a specific job, but that's kind of the concept that has been built around this tournament. And I think the way it was designed originally, it was very visionary and it was perfect. Why? Because every year you're going to have a new tournament chairman. And that tournament chairman is going to want to make it better, to bring new ideas and to build on the success of all ideas. So you always have that renewal on the leadership position every year, which is, I think, genius because that way you're always trying to make it better every year. Or to follow up your comment there of making it better and leaving your personal stamp on this, because you are quite competitive there, it sounds like, in a positive way. So as tournament chairman, I'm about to ask you a question you may not be in the position to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway, Carlos. What are your plans for 2018 that is going to be new and innovative and pushing the boundaries? Is there anything you can tease us with, or do we have to hold off until people arrive on the ground there in late January? No, no, no. We have lots of new initiatives for next year. Our main goal, Colin, is to enhance the experience across the board, meaning whether you are a GA ticket holder or a corporate sponsor, our goal is to deliver a better experience. And to that end, we've been working on improving our open spaces 
and adding more bleachers for GA folks to go and watch some great golf. So we want to be able to have a spot and a place for everyone at the tournament. So we are improving on a venue, open venue that we called El Rancho two years ago. I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's on the 12th hole. It is a, a great spot to watch some great golf. And we created a special menu and a special kind of restaurant with Mexican food and Mexican drinks and sodas. And it's open completely. So this year we are gonna double the size of El Rancho. Uh, it was a huge success last year. We're also improving our concessions across the board. For the first time, we're going to have bleachers on the 17 hole, which is really exciting. Okay. We're going to add 600 of them right next to the green on a new venue that we're building called Cove. This is brand new for 2018. We created that and it's been very successful. We're going to have 60 suites, corporate suites, and we basically sold out today on the entire Cove. And that's going to be brand new. It wasn't there last year. We had a regular skybox on 17. Now we created this new venue. We invested in the infrastructure. It's going to have two lounge bars, one on, on each side. It's going to have a nice patio where people can play games and just have a good time in a more relaxed environment. And then it's going to have 600 bleachers or seats right next to it. So I think 17 is going to have a lot more energy than last year. On the opposite side of the uh, fairway, I don't know if you remember Bay Club or if you ever been to Bay Club. Bay Club was created by Dan Mahoney, who was the uh, tournament chairman two years ago, and it was our luxury venue. It was a lot more spacious than 16. You had a really nice suite that looks like a living room. It was a really cool venue that we created two years ago, and we've been expanding ever since. Uh, last year, Andy Markham was the tournament chairman, and he took that bay club from 20 suites to, I believe, 34 suites. So almost doubled the size of bay club. And now for 2018, we're going to take it all the way down to 50 suites. So we're going to expand. Bay club is going to go all the way down to the lake on the 17 green. So those are the two big projects that we're working on for 2018. At the same time, for all of our fans on the bleachers on the 16 hole, we're going to have a very special program for them. And it's funny that you've done that. We call it the sprint or the race to 16. It's funny that and it's awesome that you've done it. So what we're going to do, as you know, what happens is the gate open. People run or sprint to 16. They do not get the first group comes in around 10 a.m. So folks are there just having a great time and chanting and singing and doing games and things like that. And there's like a window of three hours that there's really no golf. I know. I know. And what we're going to do, yeah, you, you've been there. So what we're doing for next year is we want to celebrate those fans. We want to create something special for them. So we're hosting what we are calling the 16 Breakfast Club. We're going to have some prices. We're going to have teachers. We're going to probably bring in a DJ. We're still working on the specifics, but it's going to happen between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun for everyone. Yeah, we're going to have fun. I'm probably going to go up out there with the DJ. Or we're thinking about even doing like mascot races. I mean, we're thinking about outside the box to do something really special and fun for those folks. We want to celebrate our fans that have helped us make 16 a bucket list and so many people in our signature hall, what it is today. So thank you for doing that, Colin.
Well, it'd be my pleasure. It sounds like you guys just get it. Your core philosophy of realizing that the fan is the hero here, that the fan experience and amplifying that and progressing that as you go every single year and keeping that front of mind is wonderful. So, and to that point, it'll be great actually having a breakfast component there because I think I had about three or four Coors Lights for breakfast before the first shot was taken at 10 a.m. So uh, I certainly could have welcomed some uh, something to eat there before the first shot was taken. Uh, we're gonna have some good burritos and some good yeah so we're gonna have some good breakfast some good food for everybody that's great but the fan experience at the waste management phoenix open does not end once the last putt is sunk every single day here and as the sun goes down something else is starting up and that is the bird's nest and rather than me describe what goes on there why don't i let you tell us what the bird's nest is all about yeah so the bird's nest it's, it's funny because we created the bird's nest to have something to do at night right so we said all right let's do something special at night Tournament's over, and then what happens next? We want to be able to build something for our fans because, as you said, we just want to celebrate a fan. We believe that we have the greatest fans in golf. We actually really do because I've been to pretty much every other tournament, and it's really no point of comparison when it comes to the fans and the atmosphere that we have at the Phoenix Open. So we decided to create a concert venue where we can have a band or two come play and just have people relax after the game and just have fun. And Versus we started like just giving away the tickets. You know, we were getting any band that we can afford. It wasn't really expensive. We were just trying to create something new, something. Like I said, we just wanted to make it better. And that's what we try to do every year. We try to make it better. And that idea came. And we have been building on that idea over the years. And now we are at a point that the Burst Nest has become a music festival of its own. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have people that go to the Burst Nest that don't necessarily go to the tournament anymore. We're up to our capacity at Burst Nest is uh, close to 10,000 people. And it goes from Wednesday through Saturday every year of the tournament. And we have had great talent. I mean, we had Kit Rock. We had Steve Aoki. We had... Uh, Toby Keith, I mean, you name it. Uh, we had big performers, big talent last year, and we're working on something really special for next year as well. And again, we are trying to expand. We're trying to make it better for next year as well. So the person has is. It's something that we are very proud of that started like just some kind of gathering around a band and turned out to be what it is today, which is probably one of the best music festivals in town during the year. And now we have up to almost 10,000 people. Obviously something we are very, very proud of. I bet. And I've also participated in that. In 2014, when we were there, we saw Weezer play. And one of the interesting insights I had is we were walking from the West, walking from the tournament over there. The majority of the people that were going to the bird's nest were all coming from the other direction. And it all seemed, or it seemed to me that the majority of those would have been Arizona State University patrons that were descending upon the bird's nest there. So it seems like you've managed to tap into another market there that is which golf wants to do, the growth of the game 
and we've talked about this on the podcast a lot, of getting outside of the golf market, even though the golf market and the golf audience is a big one, if you can actually get outside of that and into lifestyle and entertainment and music, that's really the sweet spot. And I know firsthand that you guys have managed to do that. And it sounds like you're continuing to amplify that ability to do so with the bird's nest. Absolutely. We're building on it every year and it's a lot of fun and we're getting bigger performers every year. And like I said, people just, you started going to the bird's nest. Sometimes the majority of the people probably come from the tournament that same day, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people, they just want to go at night to the bird's nest and perhaps they go to the tournament the next day. So we created something new around the tournament. And like most things at the open, it happened organically. And our tournament has grown organically over the years. And we began construction two weeks ago. So not a lot of people realize that it takes us about four months to build the city. We call the city at the TPC, to build the stadium, to build the cove, to build 18. It takes us about four months every year. So we started construction October 4th, and we're going to be working throughout the rest of the year and hopefully be up and running, ready by the tournament. And it's pretty spectacular to see how the city gets built every year and how we keep adding and adding more stuff, more opportunities, more venues for everyone, for the GA, our fan, and for our corporate sponsor, that's the goal is to just keep building more and better spaces or venues for them to have a good time. I love it. Have you ever done a time-lapse video of the construction from the day that you start until the city is ready to go there on, yes. on, on January 29th? Oh, you have? Yes, we have. We did it, I think, last year for the first time or two years ago, and it's pretty spectacular. I'll have to search that and put it in the show notes so our listening audience can see that, because uh, I got just imagine being an architect myself and event designer that, uh, yeah, these things don't get built overnight, that's for sure. So, hey, I, I want to stick with the 16th hole for a, a minute here, Carlos, and ask you a question. Hopefully this isn't too contentious and you can answer this for our listeners here that haven't experienced that or know exactly what happens it is amazing that the players actually walk out almost like matadors if you will they come out through a tunnel the crowd cheers and when they if they hit a bad shot it's the only time in golf that crowd boos and everybody's okay with that and there was a couple years ago it got to the point that there were the caddy races where the caddies would actually run to the green and people would bet on that and have some fun and i know that the pga tour uh, whether it was for legal reasons or who it was but that kind of got dialed down a bit has there ever been any tension with the PGA Tour as far as what you're doing to, to say maybe dial it down a bit or is the PGA Tour completely on board with what you're doing with the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open? We have a, g- a great relationship with the uh, tour. We talk to them all the time. We run new ideas by them for sure. And yeah, some of them, they've been shut down, That's but I think for the most part, they've been very supportive. And, and I think they understand that we bring a lot of value to the game of golf. They get it, and they understand this is unique. The Waste Management Phoenix Open is a unique stop on the tour, and we can probably get away with things that perhaps other tournaments wouldn't. Just because we've been doing this, we've been pushing the envelope for a lot of years now, and I think the PGA gets it. I think they they realize that that's a demographic they want to tap. And we've been working actively on, and they've been working actively with the revised social media and, and mobile devices policy. They've been implementing a lot of new ideas related to technology, like virtual reality. So I think they get it. Right. Yes, we had some you know conversations when sometimes they're like, okay, you might, you might want to dial it down, shut it down. But uh, I think for the most part, they've been great partners of ours. 
And even sometimes they come to us and say, hey, crying about this new idea, would you guys mind implementing that in your next tournament? Because sometimes we can help them develop new ideas and see how that idea may play out or may be implemented. So I like to believe, and I met with them all the time, part of my job as the tournament chairman is to manage our relationship with the PGA. And I think our relationship cannot be better. I think we are really close. They support us. They get it. They know what we do. They know we push the envelope, and they appreciate that. And I think they recognize the value that we bring to the game of golf. Well, it sounds like you do have a very healthy partnership there with the PGA. And that's interesting. It sounds like with the Waste Management Phoenix Open that the PGA Tour likes to use you as a bit of a, a test kitchen or a laboratory there to, to try some new things because you have the history and the legacy of doing that already. So, um, hey, I wanted to ask you this. Because of the popularity in the numbers you said, you gave the 655,000 fans over the week last year and over 200,000 on the Saturday. Obviously, other golf tournaments, other PGA events are looking at this and saying, okay, you guys have the secret sauce here. And we know that we've been to the, the Safeway Open in Napa. They're looking now with the hospitality and entertainment overlay there to create, as they call, create a party that happens to have a golf tournament going on at the same time. So my question to you here, Carlos, is have you been approached or have the Thunderbirds of the tournament be approached as thought leaders to to help out or, or provide some guidance or advice to other PGA tournaments? Uh, yes, definitely, yes. First of all, we have a great relationship with other golf tournaments on the tour. And we go and visit with them often. We have meetings, PGA meetings every year, actually twice a year, where the management of every tournament gets together to discuss new products, new ideas, what's been working, what has not been working. We have that relationship with them. And they always come to us and ask, it's like, how do you do it? How did you create this? How do you engage the community the way the Thunderbirds do? So definitely we do have that good relationship. And, and let me tell you one thing as well that I, a minute to say when I was talking about the, the Thunderbirds and the ingredient that we have that make our tournament so successful is we have one of the greatest executive directors on the tour. His name is John Bridger, and he is himself a Thunderbird, but he was a banker. He retired from banking and became the executive director, like an actual employee of the Thunderbirds. And he's been running the tournament for 13, 14 years. And he has a lot of experience being himself a Thunderbird, understand how the group is, has great relationship with other golf tournaments across the tour and with the PGA. So that is a great asset that we have and the entire staff that we have, because as, as I said, the Thunderbirds, we volunteer our time, but we have our executive director. He does not change, unlike the uh, tournament chairman. He stays on, and as well as our staff that we value, and they do a great job every year, and they've been doing this. Most of our staff have been with us for more than 10 years, 15 years, so even 25 years. So we appreciate what they do, and they're obviously being a key component of our success. Well, it sounds like you have a passionate group of volunteers for the Thunderbirds there. It's great to see. So before I let you go here, Carlos, I want to ask you this question. So it was well, a little more than 20 years since uh, Tiger Woods had that hole-in-one at the 16th. I'm going to ask you to pull out your crystal ball here and give us your thoughts. It could be anything from small to something crazy and big, but where do you see the Waste Management Phoenix Open being 20 years from now and maybe your thoughts on the future of golf overall? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. I 
You know, I think that the Waste Management Phoenix Open will continue to be a unique stop on the tour. I think we're going to continue to push the envelope. We're going to continue to add, when we can, new opportunities for sponsorship and new opportunities to grow our tournament. We, at the same time, want to keep working on our field. It's not just about the fans. We appreciate the players that come and play a tournament every year. And we're working hard on recruiting more and more players and make sure the players feel at home. We want players to have a good time and to keep coming back to the Phoenix Open. We want players to think about the Phoenix Open like any other major. We want them to come back and we want them to know what we bring to the game of golf and how they can contribute with this initiative that are programs that we have. I think 20 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if the city gets even bigger. Just because if you think about it, we are currently basically on three poles at the TPC, the 16, 17, and 18. Now, as you know, we got 15 more. So there's always something different that we can do. And we have all the real estate at the TPC, and we have a great partnership as well with the TPC. So definitely, I think we can keep growing our tournament, keep helping growing the game of golf. We just want to make it we want to make it fun. We want to make it accessible to everybody. I mean, we want to tap on demographics that we haven't before. I personally am Hispanic, so obviously we want to focus on the Hispanic community as well. And we want to focus on different demographics that perhaps the game of golf hasn't really been that popular before. So we just want to keep doing the thing we're doing in our tournament and at the same time helping the game of golf. I think golf, with respect to your second question, which is the future of golf, I personally grew up playing golf. I love the game. I think it's a great game that teaches young people to behave and to be honest, even when no one's watching, right? It tells people and it teaches people how to control your emotions and it's all about the mind. Regardless of whether you become a pro or you get a scholarship, I think the learnings that the game of golf give to any young boy or, or a girl are pretty useful and are great tools that they can use in their professional lives, even if they don't play golf. I, I like to see the game of golf expanding. I like to see more people playing. I like to see perhaps that it changes. If it takes too much time, maybe it changes down to less I mean, I'd like to see people get really engaged and, and help with the future of the game by creating excitement about the game and about playing golf. Wow, well, that's a great two-part answer to my two-part question there. So thanks for that. It's interesting what you touched on at the end there. I have interviewed Steve Mona, who is the CEO of the World Golf Foundation on the show, of course, involved with the First Tee and We Are Golf and all the initiatives that they have that really serve as a platform for diversity and inclusion there. So certainly uh, aligned with the things that you spoke of there. So very interesting, the potential there. I like your answer on where things could be in 20 years from now for the tournament itself. Like I said, you've got about... 650,000 fans in the week. Who knows? Maybe you can bust this thing out and have 2 million people. But I guess you need to strike that balance, of course, between the quality of the experience not being diluted for the uh, the number of people that you can cram into the venue, of course. So uh, I'm sure that's something you try to balance all the time with every day with the conversations you have there with the Thunderbirds, I'm sure. No, that's exactly right. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this because, and that's why when I mentioned earlier in this conversation is our goal next year is not about the numbers. It's not, I'm not really worried about 
about getting more than 655,000 people. If I break that record, great, but it's not something that I'm focused on. I just want to make sure that the experience, that we enhance the experience across the board. And whether we get more people or not, it's a matter of the weather. But I like for everybody that shows up at the tournament that they have a place to be and to watch some great golf, whether you're with friends or with your family. And that's our goal. It's not about how many people we can put at TPC, but it's about the quality of the experience that we want to deliver. Well, Carlos, I'll tell you what, I'll leave it there. I know you have a tournament to get back to to organize and run there. So, Carlos, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. For all of our listeners here, the 2018 Waste Management Phoenix Open will be held at TPC Scottsdale January 29th to February 4th of 2018. So, Carlos, thanks so much for your time today and best of luck with the tournament. We'll certainly be paying attention and hopefully we will have the opportunity to be on the ground. Maybe I'll be running at 7 a.m. again one of those days in early February towards the 16th hole again this year. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Colin. And if you if you come down, let me know. We can uh, meet again and we can show you around. I certainly will. Thanks for that offer. All right. You take care. Bye for now. So that's a wrap for this week's episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Carlos Sukic, Tournament Chairman for the 2018 Waste Management Phoenix Open. If you want to learn more about what we were talking about today and see some imagery and videos of the 16th hole, which is known as the loudest hole in golf, Go to the show notes of this episode, where I posted some links to video content, including the four-month time-lapse build of the stadium. To learn more, go to our website, modgolf.fireside.fm, where you'll find links to the topics and content we covered in this episode. And please go to iTunes to rate the show and give us some feedback to help us continually improve the Mod Golf podcast. I'm your host, Colin Weston. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at modgolfpodcast. Please join me next week when I speak with Eddie Louie, who is the founder and CEO of 18 Birdies, which is fast becoming the go-to golf app. Bye for now.